2: It is better to leave football before football leaves me. (laughs) So said David Villa this week, at 37 years old, as he announced his retirement, finishing his career in January with Vissel Kobe. Uh, 59 goals in 98 games for Spain.
3: Sorry, Luke, what is it about Barcelona players being so poetic when it comes to like I mean we've had even Rakitic <laughs> this week say yeah. they've taken the ball away from me
2: <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my uncle when he my uncle was quite a good Saturday player and he stopped playing football at 30 basically because he just couldn't be able to do it anymore right. and um, I was obviously a lot younger and I asked him why he decided to stop playing and he said because I wanted to do it when the fans said why <laughs> rather than the fans saying why not <laughs> So that's a tribute to my uncle Les ahead of uh, ahead of well in in in, in spite of David retiring here. What 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 kind of legacy does he leave? Where does he sit in the pantheon of great
4: strikers, not just for Spain but in, in Europe? I th- he's up there um, amongst Spain's very best, and of of course, I guess the name for everyone that springs to mind is Raúl. Um, Raúl had a, a a real struggle in the back end of his career, particularly. Um, I'm I think you can still make the argument that he's one of the best players of modern times, never to have won the Ballon d'Or, if you want to quantify things in in, in that sort of context. Um, but David Villa was incredible. And I, I think, in a way, if you're going to compare him to a, a modern striker and a modern striker who's played for Barcelona in, the, in a particularly glorious period, you maybe say Thierry Henry. Because I think because the time that most people saw him was not the absolute peak of his powers. He was still great for Barcelona. He still contributed heavily. Mm. And um, he, he was he was very, very important to them. You could say the same for Thierry Henry, especially in 2008-2009, in that first Pep Guardiola season, couldn't you? But you know, that's the, not the absolute peak of Henry. And I think that David Villa at Barcelona is not absolutely the peak of David Villa. I think... You can make an argument that he maybe stayed at Valencia a, a season too long, although Valencia fans would obviously um, dispute that. He scored twenty or more goals in every season at Valencia. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, uh, he was he was absolutely fantastic. One hundred twenty
3: nine and two hundred twenty five appearances for them. Him
4: Cheers. and him and David V are a huge part of of turning things around um, after an era in which a lot of stuff had had gone wrong for them, really. Um, because, you know, you look at what happened to Valencia post Benitez and it, it, it was a mess. You know, the club nearly, um, was nearly ruined. And it, he was a, a huge point at turning that around. He was a very, very good striker when he was at Zaragoza. And then there, he, he got to the point where well, there was, there was no Spanish forward better than him in the league. He mm. was comfortably the best. Mm. Um, uh, and there was so much about him, I think. Um,
3: I, I think with Villa, there are a few things that come to mind. One is that uh, how difficult uh, it was for centre forwards to play for uh, Barcelona, for Spain over the years. Mm. Um, because they would uh, usually have so much possession and play in the opposition half, there was so little space in behind for any strikers to kind of get space and, and do damage. And he was very good at that. Um, I personally personally believe that uh the Barcelona that had Via uh Messi and Pedro up front was um the best football team that I've ever seen. Um, you know, I was still a little bit too young to kind of appreciate the how good Milan were in the late eighties, early nineties. Um but for me they were they were better and more joined up as a team than the Luis Enrique vintage where you had Uh, MSN up
4: front Mm. um, it was just about feeding that front three wasn't
3: it which was all about feeding that front three and then again you look at his you look at Vier's contribution for Spain as well all time top scorer Um, and joint top scorer in 2010 World Cup yeah and he he opened an era for them because Mm. um, Euro 2008 that was the one where they leave Raul at home uh, right and first game he scores a hat trick in the win against a very good Russia side um, and he scored big goals in the knockout stages of the 2010 World Cup as well. Mm. So, so someone who who routinely came up big um, for for them and was was part of the Atletico team that won the league as well.
4: Yeah, <laughs> that, that, <that's, laughs> scored against Barcelona. That's that's right. And you know, just a a little, I suppose, thing to finish off his his career in, in in Spain. I mean, I think you look at the different types of goals he scored as well. He was he was a real craftsman. Um, and it plays into what James was saying at, when he mainly succeeded under um, Unai Emery at uh, Valencia. And I know like a, a lot of fans who've been seeing clips of David Villa's favourite goals mm. um, at Valencia over the last couple of days. Arsenal fans have been, I was really enjoying that clip until Unai Emery turned up <laughs> punching his fists on the touchline. <laughs> Can't I have five minutes yeah. away from him? Yeah. Um, but I think that, that he thrived with an essentially counter-attacking side there. And then as James says, ended up at Barcelona, a team that had possession all the time, um, although he did get his share of goals on the counter there as well, I think it's quite indicative of the fact that he had a very, very wide pallet. Two good feet and a busy bastard. <laughs> That's what <laughs> well, I'm saying.
3: Yeah, two good feet is a very good yeah. point, Luke, Ooh. because one of the things that you often see with him is that he's on the left-hand side, and he's kind of bringing the ball forward with his right foot, outside mm. of his right foot. Lots of little touches, lots mm. of little touches. Mm. And he he shapes, always does this shapes to either shoot or cut inside with his right, and then ends up shooting at his left. He's got he had he had a great left foot as well.
2: Mm. Yeah, he, I, I think I I remember. I, I mean, look, I haven't I haven't spent the morning watching his watching his clips. Um, because my train was cancelled. But um, (laughs) my memory of him is that he had two great feet and he just worked really, really hard. And, And you know he worked really, really hard because he was part of that, as you guys have touched on, that revolutionary Barcelona team. And the only thing I would add about the two iterations you've mentioned about that Barcelona team is that the first one was a revolutionary one? I mean, we never, we'd never really—I had never seen football like that before—and mm. I feel like the second one you mentioned with Messi, Suarez, and Neymar kind of built on that platform was just a natural evolution of it. But the first one was unbelievable. It was, well, it was never be- seen anything
3: like it before. Also, because I think the second one felt a bit Galactico-ish. Yes, in, in well, that for sure. You, you signed Neymar, um, and yeah, Neymar was coming from Brazil, but he, in some respects, it felt like he came from Brazil a little bit late you know given that Chelsea were very close to signing him mm. on stage then you got suarez we all saw what suarez could do in the premier league yeah whereas via i think via um i think when he was 23 he was still only in, in his second season in la liga so late came to la liga late mm. um but and on then, the other
4: hand he did feel like a sure thing when they yeah, bought sure. Him. i would say maybe the transfer market had changed by that point as well as barcelona's outlook and the way they did things change because of course as you say by the time they got to Suarez and Neymar they had become everything that they ridiculed Real Madrid for Ten years earlier, well, not, not
2: only ridicule, but been really smug and sanctimonious about as well. Yes. In, in, but also, in the how good instance. was
3: Pedro? I mean, oh yeah. yeah, he came from nowhere, Pedro. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, look, uh, Villa really hasn't played in Europe for a few years, of course, and and did a great job in the MLS. In the he, meantime, he did, um, uh, but he's been out of our purview. So I thought now that he's announced his retirement, it's worth giving him uh, giving him his dues pallone, Evani parte il traversone di Evani
0: e il colpo di testa Vincente da parte
2: one player who might be coming back into our purview and a player we haven't been able to talk about an awful lot recently either because he's been playing over in LA at the Galaxy. Um, not the only person uh, to, uh, to get over to the US and conquer it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Did you sign off with the same line? Although we you didn't can get go it. back to baseball now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Although we didn't get as far as LA. Um, it's Zlatan, of course, and uh, it's being reported that he is, and this is a great bit of American uh, sports language, this, being recruited, quote, recruited uh, by um, by Milan. Yeah. Uh, your friend James and colleague Tancredi Palmeri reports actually that he has been essentially signed by Milan. But that would perhaps be a misunderstanding of the... Um... Language
3: used by Don Garber. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly that. I do love American sports language. Um, we all do. Spurtability, uh is, 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 is a good one. I'll tell you
2: what one, one is. Listen, you can take the piss out of it, but I'll tell you one that's come into this studio, mostly chiefly kind of led by both you two, <laughs> Clutch. Clutch. Yeah. Clutch yeah. was
4: never used until like five years ago. The, the question I have for you is, was Zlatan ever tossed while he was over there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that could be more problematic, yeah. So I think
3: Don Garber I may have misspoke. What a great American name that is. Don. Don. Yeah, I mean, anything with, 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 with Don. He definitely introduces himself with both names. Mm. Don Garber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think when he said recruited, he meant that... Um,
2: they're actively pursuing him, right? Acti- yeah, yeah,
3: courted. Yeah. Um, but I think also that is historic. Um, certainly this time last year, Milan were recruiting um, Zlatan. Um, they then went and signed Christoph Piontek instead. Because, How's that worked out for them? Well, it worked out pretty well for the first four months. Yeah. Um, since then, he's only scored one goal from open play. And uh, clearly, the style that both Giampaolo and Pioli are playing does not suit him. He's a penalty mm-hmm. box striker. Um, and. Yeah, I think that's a concern for them. So in some respects, there's a need for a centre forward. There's a need for experience as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, I've been told a couple of things. Uh, One, no chance. Right. (laughs) (laughs) This was before he obviously released um, and and has, has decided not to stay. You well, Don Don
2: Don went on, Don said, just to give you his quote, just to give people the full information, Don said, Zlatan is such an interesting guy. He keeps my hands and inbox full. He's thrill a minute. He's a 38-year-old guy. He's being recruited by AC Milan, one of the top clubs in the world. So,
3: I also think politically and from a PR point of view, it's good for Don Garber to say that. Yeah, I was about to say exactly the, that. There, there is, there is this, this will to essentially say that top clubs in Europe with great history, great tradition are coming to MLS, are watching MLS mm. and want to sign our best players. Mm. That, I think that is, is, is what he was essentially trying to say mm. when he made this, this point. I think the, the, the thing with Zlatan, um, so I've been told no chance. Now, since he's been released, that has slightly changed. It would have to be on, on Milan's terms in terms of short-term deal, very short-term, mm. like we're talking maybe six months. At the end of the year. season, basically. Um, and certainly cheap. And the, the, the thing that discourages me from thinking that this will happen is. Because is it's that, Is
2: Yeah. No, but bit cheap and short term is probably not going to work for him.
3: Zlatan, um, Zlatan loves Milan. Um, he certainly loved uh, his time there, loved training at Milanello, loved uh, living in the city. Was really pissed off when they sold him. Really pissed yeah. off when they sold him to PSG. Um, but the thing is, under Elliot, under Gazidis, they haven't signed a player over 25 um and yeah. uh, and I think maybe they'll make an exception but I think again it would it would have to be very much on on their terms and when you're talking about a kind of deal which would be I'd say 6 months with then maybe an option and you know low salary contract as well so yeah. uh, I, so I, it I, comes down to really what's Latam prioritized and, and what uh, he wants I think they're really realistic about the thing that Okay, it'll be on their terms. So short term deal, not a lot of money, mm. relatively speaking, mm. and he'll have loads of offers. He'll have loads of offers. So it'll have to it would have to come down to him essentially compromising.
4: Wanting to go there basically. Yeah. Can I make several leaps forward? Yes. And say that do. if um get okay, Chairman Mao. If if <laughs> <laughs> if if, yeah, if, if fifty million people died, so if QSI were to close a deal... KSI's with, involved. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm mad. If, if QSI were to close a deal <laughs> yeah. with Leeds... As, as, oh, Leeds! As, as, as You're ben linking suggested. him to Leeds! <laughs> well, because... like th- The fact is, there was always that talk when he was at Paris Saint-Germain. He wasn't just a great player for them. He wasn't just someone who encouraged and frightened the younger players. He was someone who they talked about becoming sporting director... Um, global ambassador, mm. having a job for life, he really embraced the concept. He's got a lot of close personal relationships there. If QSI were to sign a deal with Leeds, um, what about it? What do you reckon?
2: I think it would be absolutely. Listen, I think it's just one of the very, very many reasons that this network, Football Annual Daily, is now award nominated <laughs> because we are linking as Latin American rich to Leeds. And I don't care. To be honest, listen, I don't care if it's true or not. I just, want to, I just want to explore it in my mind. <laughs> Let's go
3: Spurious. Yeah. Yeah. That's we, very ATN news with, of you, Luke. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, we're yeah. more peers. Yeah. Um, get with the program. Andy and I.
4: Get with the program, man. It's, it's <laughs> the future. Uh, it, that was uh, true. Uh, uh, and if, if, if we're more sober and logical about it, like-for-like replacement for Kamar Roof. So, yeah. there
2: you go. <laughs> but does it matter if they get promoted or not? Are you saying this is happening this is going to happen between now
4: and What well, I I don't know if the deal is going to be sealed or when it's going to be sealed but say if it was sealed and they got him for the last half of this season can you imagine that? That'd be can amazing. you imagine that? Patrick Bamford would be gutted. Absolutely <laughs> gutted beyond belief wouldn't he? <laughs> can Zlatan play the saxophone that's yeah, the question. That's what we got to ask yourself.
0: Bakifuare, Raicard Fera gol! Il Milan passa! Il Milan passa!
1: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp.
2: James, I don't want to leave. Um, well, I suppose we never really kind of landed in Italy. There, we just sort of flirted with it. We kind of circled around it, like much like you on a Welling flight, because we kind of <laughs> circled around true, it before, before landing. Name check them. Still, is this
3: disgraceful airline. <laughs>
2: before we landed somewhere else, you know. <laughs> so, but one person who has landed, touched down successfully in Italy, and um, continues to be there for now mm. is uh, Cristiano, yes. Cristiano Ronaldo, who apparently, depending on who you believe, he's, he's got Schrodinger's knee. You know, so it depends. He's got a bad knee and a good knee at the same time, uh, depending on who you ask. Um, who do you ask,
3: James? And what do they tell you? So you're bringing this up, Luke, because uh, last Sunday when Juventus played Milan, Cristiano Ronaldo was substituted in the 55th minute. Um, when you do that like, to a man like Cristiano, I and mean, that is. He took it well. Uh, <laughs> is that true? <laughs> no. <laughs> Shook his I, head. I
4: think it's very thoughtful of Maurizio Sarri because he does have the opportunity with that much time left in the game to beat the traffic. Yeah, true. And and how else? Thoughtful. How else are you going to get to and from the Juventus Stadium other yeah. than by car? And frankly? he
3: was he was completely vindicated in in taking him off because mm. Ronaldo was one of the poorest players on the pitch, and his replacement Paulo comes on and wins the game with a fantastic move. A on. game
4: that they didn't always look like winning.
3: No, Milan played well, as they have often done um, without winning um, at the Juventus Stadium. In fact, nine games, nine losses there. Um, But Ronaldo goes straight down the tunnel and uh, full time. Juventus celebrating, still undefeated in the league. They're thinking, I wonder what Cristiano's got planned for us in the dressing room. Oh, he's already left. He's left. (laughs) He's left three minutes before the end of the game. Um, So that has not gone down particularly well, although publicly... Um, you have Maurizio Sarri just saying, oh, we should be thankful for Cristiano, you know, mm. because Cristiano, a lot of uh, a lot of players in his physical condition at the moment would have put their hands up and said, boss, leave me out. I'm not fit. I need to I need to rest up my knee, which mm. know, I've got this problem with my knee. It's impacting on the other parts of my body. Just leave me out. Leave me out for a bit. And instead, Cristiano's kind of grit his teeth and said, no, nope, I'll be there for you, boss. I'm going to start, which I think for Sarri is like, ah,
0: damn. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and he's been taken off in back to back games. And the surprising thing, although it's not surprising because he's Cristiano Ronaldo, and even if you look at the gap in the wage bill, you know, he's he's earning thirty-one million. The next highest earner is earning nine, basic. Um, he's an exception. And mm. he isn't being fined for this, mm. even though players who've been late for training in the past or um have, you know, not uh, for example Paulo Dybala. Um, when he, I think this time, maybe last year, he was sent to warm up all the second half, so he thought he was getting on. And then Allegri uses his third substitute, it's not Dybala, and Dybala went straight down the dressing room. Next right. ne- next, next game, he's left out of the squad. Right. He's, he's punished. And clearly with Ronaldo, there's... there's...
2: Well, the plot thickens also. Because, and I mean, obviously, it wouldn't happen on Gareth Southgate's watch, as we all know now, <laughs> but the plot's thickened because... Um, the Portuguese camp, who he's now because Cristiano Ronaldo, for those who don't know, is now reporter for International Duty with Portugal, they are they are they are essentially saying there's nothing wrong with it. So this is they he's gonna start the first game for Portugal in this in this international break. This bro. is the
3: curious thing, Luke, is that um and I, I I think this is one of the reasons why Ronaldo's reacted like it is, because we all know what time of year it is. Mm. It's it's Ballondor Thanksgiving. Oh we <laughs> <fans> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's Ballon d'Or time and and Cristiano has been poor for the last month for for, for Juventus. Um, He did score a decisive goal against Genoa, stoppage time, won a penalty, scored the penalty, won them a a big, what was a key game in in a very close title race.
4: And he really did win that penalty as well, didn't
3: he? Oh, yes, Andy. Um, But he's only scored... know, sort of one goal from open play I think, one, one in goal in the last
2: month I think yeah,
3: yeah. Mm. Um, and he was poor against Torino in the derby poor in this game and Sarri's essentially kept this this narrative going that he's been carrying a knock that he picked up in training and Portugal are saying oh, he's training fine he'll, he'll be with us when we, when we play Lithuania what, for but what to be fair t- it's
2: probably Cristiano making the statement though given how popular <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's written
3: Portugal. it for, for <laughs> yeah, Fernando Santos yeah, yeah. and given it to him <laughs> everything is fine <laughs> uh, but it, it, it is curious and you wonder what um, um, Juventus think about all of this because remember this time last year, Ronaldo decided to stay in Turin for every international break: September, October, yeah. October November, so he could assimilate. So he could he could. It yeah. was um, to essentially use an, he
4: took six months off Portugal,
3: and it was load management as well. If yeah, going to use some right. some MP, uh, terminology. Yeah. <laughs> and instead, he, he's he's been there for every international break so far. He's he's certainly been very good. Uh, for Portugal um, over the course of these qualifiers um, he's what is it 14 goals from Ali Dai I think yeah, so he could get like that off them against Lithuania yeah. <laughs> who knows that's clearly
2: one of his targets now isn't it yeah and, yeah. and,
3: and if even if they win against Lithuania um, unless Serbia lose to Luxembourg uh, this will go down to the final game mm. against Luxembourg which you know <laughs> It's really in the balance. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. I mean, it's it's this is. I, th- I think this is all tied into the fact that he hasn't played well for some time. Even when he scored, I remember he scored against Spall, and he's missing chances that he usually puts away. Certainly headers. You know, we all think of Ronaldo as a great header of the ball. He's had loads of headers which he'd usually mm. bury, mm. and he hasn't buried. Juventus have looked better with Higuaini and Dybala up front and one-off, Bernardeschi, Ramsey, now Douglas Costa in behind.
4: Which is um, extraordinary when you think that those two strikers are trying to sell in the summer.
3: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the, 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 this the extraordinary thing, Andy, is, is um, football at times under Sarri has been good. It's certainly promised mm. um, that, oh, this, this vindicates the decision to move on from Allegri, particularly the game against Inter and in the Debbie Italia. But um, sometimes it is reminiscent of Sarri's Chelsea. Um, in that there are only, I think nine or, or nine of their wins uh, in all competitions have been one goal margins.
4: None of those home wins have really been easy, have they? Not not even against quite modest opposition.
3: Yeah, aside from the the spell spell game and Berisha, the goalkeeper kept them in that for long stretches. It hasn't been easy, and mm. I think opponents have always felt that Matthias Delikt will give them a. Give them a hand, literally. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, it's uh, and this is, the, I suppose, this is the thing that their attack is the fifth best in the league. Um, in but they're of, yet to ex- lose a game in the league. They're, aren't yet they? to, they're yet to lose. They are. I wouldn't say grinding either because they've just got so much talent and their bench is so superior to everyone else that they can just put DiBAL and Douglas Costa on and they'll see they'll they'll, they'll come up with the goods. Um, but yeah, I think it is. It's an interesting one on Ronaldo. He hasn't. Hmm. He hasn't played well all, all season, and I, I think he, aside from in the Champions League last year, knockout stages, where he scored the hat trick against Atletico, when he when he scored in both games against Ajax, but they ultimately went out. I don't think he's he's been particularly particularly good for for, for them in twenty nineteen in mm. in the league. But um, it, de- so. it all
4: depends on what you really expect from him, really, isn't it? I mean, I think people are only just coming out of that sort of mindset that he doesn't do anything off the ball, which clearly has been the case for a very, very long time. Mm, yeah, um, But I think, you know, you were talking about Higuain and when initially when Cristiano Ronaldo arrived, one of the things they really missed about Higuain is like a Cavani. He works like a dog off the yeah. ball and that's clearly going to affect the team. Now, interestingly, I think when Ronaldo goes and plays against Lithuania, it's not just because he's against Lithuania, but they, they, it looks like they're going to pair him up front with Gonzalo Paciencia, who, mm-hmm. the son of Domingos Paciencia, yeah. um, great like, family tradition in, in the Portuguese game. It's taken him a while to get where he is with Eintracht Frankfurt, and he's had a terrific start to this season. But he is someone who does that work. And right. that, I think, because he's a big guy who absorbs the physical contact that really works for Ronaldo because that takes a lot of the physical pressure off him.
3: Should say Andy, that it's almost as if, uh, Ronaldo scored four in a 5-1 win against Lithuania in September
4: yeah (laughs) I thought you were going to say it's almost as if he's picking the team (laughs) (laughs) well
3: the game's tonight isn't it so
2: people can uh, can watch it with interest quickly before we move on from Italy James can you just give us a quick a very very sort of sentence or two on what the hell is happening with with Milan at the moment I mean they've changed their manager already this season Mm. only uh, Spal and Brescia have lost more games in Serie A this season than them Uh, they sit languishing in 14th Um, what's going on is it still? Well, is it just an extension of the stuff you've talked about earlier in the season, or is there any light at the end of the tunnel
3: for them? So I thought they played well uh, against uh, Juventus on Sunday night. Um, yeah, they were unlucky not to get something out of that game. Wojciech Chesney, I felt, was uh, Juventus' best player. Made a superb save from Pakitap. Chesney had a, a very good season. That's another story for another day. Uh, on, on on Juventus, um, there are some issues there. Frank Kessy, for example, was left out of the squad. Kessy mm. has been a well, he was a big signing. Um, he used to be their penalty taker until Piontek basically got that gig. They don't get any penalties anymore because yeah, they're essentially not getting into the box enough to, uh, as big teams usually do, to 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 win and get those kind of situations to go for them. Um, Piontek is is a major concern, as I mentioned. Only one goal from open play since the end of last season, and that was against Frosinone. I think that is one of the reasons why these briefings continue. Be it from Zlatan's agent, be it from some people on the sporting side mm. at Milan rather than the kind of business side, um, and it's 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 a major uh, concern for them that even when they put, play well and they have done, they're not seeing out games. Um, yeah, for example, Pioli's first game in charge against Lecce, they played pretty well um, and and certainly deserve to win that game and then senior players make silly mistakes in stoppage time, give the ball away and they concede what was a worldie um, but you drop points at Lecce. So far their only win so far under Pioli uh, is against Spal who are bottom of the table mm. and it, to, to win that it took a Souza free kick and Souza was not in the starting lineup. whistled when he came on <laughs> oh, God. And, then, and then scored a the free kick. So Things still not looking up
1: for Milan. Un buen sentido estar otra vez aquí en Amsterdam. Lo que pasó puede pasar a cualquier persona y bueno, miramos al futuro.
2: No. Hansi Flick's Bayern um, destroyed Dortmund 4-0. Where and-
3: are my detonators? <laughs> <laughs> That's all I think about yeah. at this time of year when there's someone like Hans or Hansi. Can
4: I, can I just... Unfortunately, that, that is the problem. You've hit the problem with the Classica yeah. flush on the head. Lucien Favre is the last man on the world that is going to say yippee motherfucker. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. That is true.
3: Is he like, I'm your white knight? Yeah, it's
4: true. <laughs> Jurgen Klopp would have.
2: But <laughs> last week, I forgot, I listened to the show on Friday on the way back from the US, on the way to, back to New York, no, to Chicago, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. <laughs> Was Kovac fired by then? Had he been fired by then? Well, he, he wasn't fired in the end. Well, you know what I mean? Was he still manager then? When you guys last talked about
3: last week? No. Thursday, no.
2: Okay, so got... that's been done. Good. Um I th- I'm you clearly f- listened attentively. I'm fairly certain. <laughs> I think, the thing is, I do genuinely fine without me on it. It's a bit boring. Um, but clearly, since you we last recorded an episode of this show, Bayern have released a statement or made a comment in the press or something saying that Flick is the guy that's going to be there for the, for the foreseeable, right? Well, that's... Do you believe that? that? that that's, and talk that's, to me about the game as well.
4: Uli Hernes, who, who was overseeing his uh, last game as president, he's going to um, not go for re-election at the... Um, Club's annual general meeting, which is going to happen during the international break. And this is a period of change for Bayern, not just on the bench and on the pitch, okay. um, but upstairs, which arguably um, in the medium and long term or not arguably is, is more important in the medium and long term. Mm. And um, <laughs> what what we are aware of already is whereas Uli Hernis may not be the president anymore, he will not be missing any opportunities to stick his nose in wherever is necessary and wherever is not necessary. This is the guy, of course, who um, rung up German television during a live broadcast to make his... Feeling's felt. He's someone who always has something to say. He's someone who still has that enthusiasm for Bayern. And Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, who habitually sits next to him during the games, of course, in the stand, he said that um, when Robert Lewandowski scored the first goal in the Classica, he said, Uli nearly knocked me down the stairs because he was celebrating so much. Careful, Uli go back to jail with that kind of (laughs) behaviour.
3: Uli reminds me of Silvio Berlusconi without the kind of spells as president of his country. He, he even as andy says even when he's not going to be involved at the club he will be a renter, quote essentially oh yeah
4: yeah there's no doubt there's no doubt about it um but he was the one who first came out and said um it's clear that hansi flick is our plan going forward right um so obviously him and ruminiger have diverged before on their their opinions and coaches of course um ruminiger wanted tuchel while um Julie Hernes was the, the the great defender of Niko Kovac, and that was something that made Kovac's position more fragile as time went by. The fact that Hurness yeah. had an expiry <laughs> date on when he was he was going to be president. Um but if it works out in the short term with Hansi Flick, well that that's great. That that really suits them because none of their Preferred candidates are available right now. Eric Ten Hag, of course, said he's not leaving Ajax mid-season. He didn't say he's not leaving Ajax, and he didn't say he wasn't sure. interested in buying, which a lot of people have interpreted it as when he said, "I'm not leaving Ajax right now." Yeah, I think the words "right now" are very, very important. important there. Yeah, I remember you guys mentioning that on on last week's show. Yeah, oh, you love. did listen to something. I told I'm, you I listened to it. I'm touched. I just can't remember all of it because I'm a very busy man. It's all jet laggy. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think. The what the chronology of it works brilliantly for Bayern. The fact that they had that game where they won quite easily against Olympiacos in the Champions League, and then they have the classica which they win. Okay, like Dortmund shortcomings, we can talk about them in a, a minute. And yeah. Lucien Favre's own, own position, but the fact is, this was a team who people who wanted to throw Niko Kovac a bone said, well. He hasn't got the players to press. He hasn't got the players to play this high-energy style. Well, they certainly played that style against Dortmund. They, they pressed them half to death. And th- they were far more energetic, um, tigerish. Um Something I talked about in the, the German media quite a lot, the physical side of what Bayern did. Not the technical excellence, but the physical way in which they overpowered Dortmund, really. And- Zero
3: shots on goal from Dortmund.
4: Mm. Yeah, I
3: mean, which is poor.
4: They had two shots, but I don't think any of them were on target. No, and I think yeah, they, I mean, hit, they, they, they came even,
3: late in
2: the
4: game They even well. hit the post at 0-0 in the 5-0 yeah, that care. we did throughout the match back okay. in uh back, well, back That's in I was going to
2: say. Why, why, why were Dortmund so bad? And we saw Jadon Sancho, um, who we expect to feature here for
4: England this weekend. Um, he was subbed off after, I think, 35 minutes. Yeah, he was. And Lucien Favre said it had nothing to do with his physical condition. Um, I tend to think that is not true uh, because... He went off in the intergame in the week, um, what, like a couple of days before, what right. four days before, <clears> with <throat> a hamstring complaint. It was a surprise to me that he was starting in the first place, and Sancho was uncharacteristically clumsy. You know, he, he mm. dribbled the ball out of play the first time he, he got possession. He's been in sort of indifferent form recently, though, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's, he's, he's had his ups and downs, and mm. I think this is this is something that I've I, I've talked about elsewhere, but I, I really truly believe that with the two best teenagers in that league with Sancho and Havertz, the the expectations we have for them at the moment are almost intolerable and they're, they're, they're impossible to match. Hmm. At some point you've got to take a rest and they've not, these are two guys who are not just players who've, who've played well for teenagers, not just players who've played well. They're players who've run games in a very, very good league. And at some point They need their senior colleagues to take the pressure off them. Now, I think you look at Sancho and the situation that he's in at Dortmund and the squad that Dortmund have, they should be able to take that pressure off him. And, you know, you think when he was left out of the Borussia Mönchengladbach game that they won, for example, Torgan Hazard was able to come in and play very well. Now, Hazard, who people were initially in his first couple of weeks saying was struggling to adapt to Dortmund. Well, where are those people now? Because Hazard has the most assists Mm. in the Bundesliga more than anybody else, despite the fact that he wasn't an automatic pick straight away. So that shows you the sort of impact that he's had in, in recent weeks. Uh, so I think you've just got to be a bit kinder to Sancho, really. Yeah. I mean, I know people might not feel like being kind to Dortmund because a lot of people who are watching that as neutrals will feel quite let down, just as they were by the 5-0 going back to April. And it's easy to look at the two things and say, oh, plus a change, even though they've got in... What what difference has it made? Well, one goal's difference. Well, maybe two goals because obviously Hummel scored on the final in the end, didn't he? But I think it brings the focus back onto Lucien Favre as a coach because you look at the players they have there and it's it's clear that, okay, there's a budgetary difference between them and Bayern, but the difficulties that that Bayern have had, not just in the time under Niko Kovac, but in recent years, this Dortmund side should still have an opportunity to challenge them for the league. And one match doesn't mean they're completely out of it, especially one match in November. You'd rather this happen in November than happen in April. And I think in a sense, the the chronology of the fixtures, the way that it's at Munich first, where well, they do have a problem, they do have a a mental problem. I mean, mm. Stefan Ersfeldt, the German journalist, was saying in Munich, Dortmund and the new Hamburg. And right. they kind of are. They've lost right. six in a row and they've <clears throat> taken some mighty thrashings in that time of 5-0, 4-0, Uh 6-0, 5-1. But I do think it goes back to five. We talked about this mini run that he had where they had Gladbach in the cup. They had uh Wolfsburg, a game that I know you pointed out and you were were keen to see where Wolfsburg was still unbeaten. Yeah. They've they've had a bit of a dip since then. And then that's what I'll
2: do to you. That's a kiss of death I'll put on
4: you. (laughs) (laughs) And then they had Inter where they came back fantastically. I I think there's a sense as well that they had to dig really deep for that and they didn't look particularly energetic when they arrived at at, at Bayern for this game. But the fact that it's ended in this way, it doesn't negate what happened in those three games. But, it, you know, last impressions last rather than first impressions, don't they? And you go into the international break thinking, same old Dortmund. And the fact that Favre talked beforehand about we go into this game with nothing to lose... I mean, what message does that really send to the players? I mm. think uh, there have been various points this season and you could argue that Dortmund are lucky to be in the title race still because a lot of the big teams and the teams who are expected to do well have tripped up. Bayern have tripped up, lost some points that you wouldn't have expected. Leipzig, until recently, have really struggled to get their home form going. So the the question is, Medium term is Favre the guy for them. I think you still have to ask that despite those three wins recently because this was the worst of Dortmund Favre. As James says, all the attacking players they've got, they can't get shot on target. I know it's Bayern, Uh, but come
3: on. The surprising Mm. thing for me, Andy, watching that, was that Dortmund's right-hand side is so strong with Sancho and Hakimi. who was brilliant against Inter in midweek. And they're going up against uh, Kingsley Coman, who doesn't, Always track back, and Alfonso Davies, who's not a left back, who's not a left back, hmm. but who was
4: great, who was great, and next and Fabio Coentrão. <laughs> Mark my, my words, <laughs> that's a compliment, by
2: the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, we fully expect Dortmund to bounce back next time out at home to Paderborn, so that'll probably exorcise any demons they may have from that. Throwing caution
4: to the wind, um, putting all your ships in one basket.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what about um, Eintracht Frankfurt's um, David Abraham? who's now been punished. What, what punishment did he get for, for knocking over, well, I what, think knocking he's over a, Manager Bay, The Christian body check. Strike here? I, the I, I think he's, he's
4: had got... the title of Colonel taken away from is him. Is that right? One, one for the kids from the eighties yeah. there. <laughs> Not even <laughs> I remember
2: that. So God knows what anyone else does. Uh, he's been punished though, hasn't he? A ban and a fine, is
4: it? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's been banned until December 29th. Hmm. Uh, so basically he won't play again until the second half of the Bundesliga season. Um, well, I, so we talked about this
2: on the show on Monday. I think I think it was Monday. Yeah, and it was, it was quite a funny incident
4: Well, it's a quite deliberate body check. Yes, but I did like i, I has been punished very heavily for it Yeah, he has and he should have been as well because mm. it was a quite deliberate act and Ultimately, he's a center-half that is built like a wardrobe and an oak wardrobe is he captain that? as well. Yeah, yeah deliberately, by example. deliberately mm. knocking over a 54-year-old man who's yeah, like half his, half his size. Um, and I did notice, I, like afterwards, of course, you, you've got to get it all out on social media, but the, the fact that he released that statement saying, "Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I apologise, we spoke to Strike and everything's cool. And then it, he had that uh, little picture, didn't he, of him and Vincenzo Grifo, who less than an hour before basically had him by the face and he's he's like oh yeah we we we're, we're fine now it's like yeah but i understand you've done your you've done your like social media housekeeping but by the same token you still body check the coach of the yeah. other team yeah. and, and the thing is he put in the apology this stuff about oh well i was just trying to get the ball back What does that have to do with anything? It has absolutely nothing to do with it. I mean, there were some people around who cover Eintracht Frankfurt and journalists who cover the Bundesliga who were saying it should have been stripped of the captaincy and stuff like that. I see where they're coming from. um, And I have a degree of sympathy for that view. But he was always going to get the book thrown at him. And he always should have had the book thrown at him. Interestingly, though, Eintracht are appealing. Against the length of the band.
2: Yeah, well, I was going to ask: you, Does that cover Europa League games as well? No, no, no. Because I mean, in total, Eintracht Frankfurt between now and the band finishing because of the winter break and stuff, they play nine games, I think, between now and then.
4: But a couple of those are yeah, the the Europa the, League they're games. They're still they're still in the DFB Pokal, of of course. Yeah, uh, having Pokal. Ha- having gone <laughs> out in the first round last season. They've um, got Leipzig, haven't they? But doesn't that, that doesn't re really, that doesn't start up again until February, does it? Well, the Pokal. Yeah.
2: No. Yeah. Okay. Right. No. Um, they, and obviously, I mean, because people will be interested, in, um, particularly Arsenal fans, if he's gonna, if this, if this killer El Matador is gonna feature at Emirates. Uh, well, the thing, the thing, he, apparently the thing is, of, is so. of course,
4: about that game is that Eintracht now need the points, having lost to Standard Liège mm-hmm. in, in in the last round at the very last minute, mm. and um, they won't be bringing any fans because, of course, Eintracht are known for their incredible support. You know, they took. What, over 10,000 fans to Milan last season when they played Inter in the knockout stages. And we all remember what happened when Cologne visited Arsenal. Mm. It was absolutely fantastic. Obviously, there were some Arsenal fans who were quite traumatized by the prospect of atmosphere. But This I, whole area was overtaken by Cole fans. Obviously, yeah. we record the show just down the road from the Emirates. So Yeah, but the fact is that the fans are banned. So I, I can't help but think that will have quite an influence on it as well. Mm.
2: Let's turn our attention to France then, <clears throat> because Andy, your um, beloved Lyon, their um, their lovely bus was attacked unfairly.
4: Always unfair when a bus is attacked. Uh, well, you say it was unfair. I, I mean, Marseille said in in a statement that they released this week. We should have come in an unmarked bus.
2: All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, it's your fault. To, yeah.
4: to, to which Leon responded, "Well, yeah, an unmarked bus might not have triple glazing, no, which we definitely needed. needed." Yeah.
2: So, I mean, Leon went down two one uh, to a Dimitri Payet inspired Marseille. Uh, Marseille are, 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 well, as far as I know, have been a much better team than Leon this season. So, it's not really necessarily an unexpected result. But Marseille
4: sat in second, are they not? Uh, yeah, they are, but they're only six points ahead of Leon. Even after that game, we are in 14th. True, it's a truncated league. Some would would say, I think this has been the story of not just Ligue 1, but the Bundesliga for the last couple of years. The fact that uh, Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern haven't always quite hit the heights, but there's been no one good enough to take advantage. Mm. And when people talk about the lack of competition in those leagues, that has to be the concern. I think the overall standard, rather than just the fact that there's one team with greater resources that are streaking away. But I think when you're talking about the overall health of the league, a game like this is absolutely vital. A game in which, if we focus on the good bits of it, 65,000 fans in there, real fervor. The first time that Marseille have beaten Lyon... In a really long time, and of course, as you say, Marseille have gone up to second. I would very much doubt they will stay there, to be perfectly honest. Mm. But there is an opportunity for them to challenge for those Champions League places simply because of the difficult starts endured by Lyon, uh, by Monaco. Um, Lille obviously have their their, a a big change in the squad, and also the fact that they have Champions League to. to, Mate, I tell you what, though, Saint Etienne are flying under Claude Puel, aren't they? Yeah, they, they haven't lost a game, of they? And, I don't know. and bear in mind that when Puel took over, they were bottom of the table. Mm. That shows you how truncated the, mm. the the rest of the league is. But you know, Saint Etienne did win three two at Nantes at the weekend, which is the most unsent Etienne and Claude Puel result that you can possibly imagine. So let's gloss over that. Mathieu years. it's just rulers. great to
2: see. James, it's great
4: stuff. Rolling back the years.
2: Exactly. Who is that again? Is that Mike and the mechanics? Simply
4: Red now. Simply Red is Simply yeah. Red. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. They're quite into China, I but. think, I think you two should definitely go to the Simply Red uh, hits tour. I've, the seen Mick Huck- I've seen Mick Hucknell live. I interviewed him about uh, football and reggae once. My God! Did you really? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> how,
2: how are we talking about this, well, James, You you mentioned um, uh, before we came on about the tifo that Marse- Marseille um, unveiled before the game against Lyon. Did you,
3: can okay? we call it a choreography? Okay, yeah, I don't mind. Uh, what's what's the what's be- the what's <laughs> the, what's, I mean, what's you the nomenclature here? Wasn't Marseille's typhus great? Right. What's no.
2: what's the nomenclature? Talk, explain to me why you don't why you've got a problem with that.
3: Well, because in Italy, and and this is appropriated from Italy, you know, you talk about. Um, in Italian, these these things is a choreography or scenografia, choreography. You don't say a tifo, the right. tifosi, right. which is the fans because they are so fervent. It's like they've got typhoid. Is that is where a, it comes from? Yeah. Okay. Um, but tifo is 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 like ball It's a social media construct. It gets on my t- gets on my wick. You get what uh, said tits then. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say it gets on my wick. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, but it was a magnificent choreography scenography yeah um, at the village what
2: was it in, it was a 100th anniversary of someone was it, it was
3: it was i think the birthday of the the club okay um, right, right right right
4: can i just say it's very difficult to concentrate at the moment where i'm trying to think of other examples in which i can grammatically offend james <laughs> <Yeah>. it's <laughs> easily done in my experience yeah. 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 um
3: so yeah no it's was- Brilliant! It was. It was. How many
4: scudettos of um, Juventus <laughs> won that?
3: <laughs> That's another one, there. Oh, yeah. Panino. Can I have one panini Can I have please? two Panino?
4: <laughs> but, yeah, but, but two can, two, can, Jesus Christ! Can we? Ta- can <laughs> we? It. Can we talk about? Um, no Memphis, two, no two party. Yeah, that, that. of course James, because no Memphis, up. no party because yep. a, a, yeah. the recent scorer of a, of a winner there. Uh, where he he headed in the winner, got cut head doing it. Um, that was a very iconic image of of of, of one of the, these uh, these games in which Rudy Garcia never managed to beat Leon while he was Marseille manager. Switches over and the luck changes. Yeah, okay. Who, who knew? But yeah, no Memphis. Uh, they lost Usem Alwa at half time as as well with with a hamstring injury uh, early in the second half. Sorry, with an injury that's um, probably going to keep him out for a while, and he's you know, arguably their, 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 key player. And, um, yeah, it was, it was tough for Leon. Also, what sparked this war of words with the coach, um, the bus, sorry, mm-hmm. and, and all that that's continued this week is because, uh, obviously Jean-Michel Olas was not very up, uh, happy about the conditions in, in, in which it happened. He talked about refereeing errors despite, mm-hmm. uh, VAR. And, um, Marseille responded to this in quite a, vehement fashion uh, because the, uh, the head of the, the, the refereeing syndicate came out and said, oh, well, the penalty that was given to Marseille should never have been given because there was a handball by Morgan Sanson. Right. Which, before that, mm-hmm. that, the very obvious handball by uh, Thiago Mendes. I, I suppose you could compare that to the way that the handball of Bernardo Silva was in, in, interpreted the way the PGMOL yeah. talked, talked about that um, mm-hmm. uh, after the Liverpool-Manchester City game um but yeah uh, marseille came out and said well this really wasn't helpful for the head of the referees to 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 come out and say this especially when leon have benefited from a lot of referee errors beforehand mm. so that restoked everything leon responded to that with the thing about the the bus but the main thing was and Payet, we have to say did an incredible job as you said he was fantastic in the first half mm. he had to wait 6 minutes to take that penalty. One... The beauty as well, by the way. Right yeah. in the corner, beautiful penalty. Yeah, it really was. Uh, Anthony Lopez had no chance. And I think that's the thing that's often not acknowledged with VAR. The fact that how long the takers have to... To wait. I mean, I saw this at the the Berlin Derby where they, they did the, the the double check and Sebastian Polter who was waiting to take the penalty for Berlin. Bear in mind that was a last minute penalty yeah, to, a give, them, yeah, to give them massive game, unimaginably big game. Yeah, to give them a first ever top flight win over that over their local rivals, yeah. and he just stood there on the spot as I was saying on out the match, just sort of clutching the ball while everyone else was like discussing hmm. and going crazy. He was just there on his own, kind Talk of cradling the ball. the ball. Talk to the ball exactly. Whereas Dimitri Payet, first they had. The check on the penalty. It was obviously a penalty. Yeah. But also, while they were waiting to take the penalty, there was this kerfuffle on the edge of the area, and Dario Benedetto smacked Leo Dubois, the Lyon defender, round the head. Mm. It's the most obvious sending off you'll ever see. So they go to VAR. They have have a little look at it. The referee has a look at it. Then he invites the uh, Dubois and Benedetto over, and he goes. Don't do it again, lads. Wow, God. Sent them back. Then, Pyatt thinks he's going to take it and a laser light starts being... Shana Anthony Lopez and Payet's just like looking up to the heavens and going for God's sake am I actually going to get the table yeah. and then he tucks it away in that sort of style second goal's absolutely fantastic and he did the Diego Simeone big balls celebration and they were really big balls that <laughs> he was minding, <laughs> yeah. honestly but, but bigger than Simeone's that's unimaginable but, but Payet uh, he'd spoken before the game about having had a very fractious relationship with really Garcia particularly towards the end of his, his time there and normally when you Sledge a former club or coach or player in the days leading up to go you're tempting fate hmm. you know you've really got to deliver and he did exactly that so he did an absolutely fantastic job and in the last two games Marseille have beaten Lyon and Lille, who are two of their biggest rivals. It's yeah. not always been the prettiest football, but they've really dug in, and people are starting to look at Andre Villas-Boas and go, you know, maybe there's some yeah, substance. Yeah, th- I was about to say,
2: and that was going to be my final point in the matter, that um, if Andre Villas-Boas be- 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 carries on like this, I mean, guiding Marseille... you will get the Chelsea jump. ...up to second <laughs> with a negative one-goal difference. That's the kind of thing that attracts the attention of big Premier League clubs, James.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he-, he has actually made one really big tactical switch, and that's the Boubacar camera. 19 year old who you would say is is their best defender he's switched to 4-3-3 and he's put Bubakar Kamara in midfield as a holding player which is not his position and also it bumps Kevin Strootman who's the highest earner in the squad from the team so to show that to do something like that if that doesn't go well you look an idiot it's a really really big statement to do that and it's worked out for them so far so excellent and then Ashton told me he's an idiot so
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: what a way to end that
4: I like <laughs> some serious <I> like- shade <laughs>